Imagine living your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, your master certified coach and midlife mentor. And I'm so glad to be here with you again for this week's episode, which is all about career pivots and digital marketing success with Kim Garst. Now, being open to career pivots is more important than you might think, my friend. My guest today is someone who started out going in one direction, but for a variety of reasons, ended up making a huge pivot that brought her tremendous success. My guest today is Kim Garst, CEO of KG Enterprises and one of the world's most retweeted people among digital marketers. Kim laughs when she acknowledges that she's an accidental entrepreneur. (laughs) She's a renowned marketing strategist, keynote speaker, and an international best-selling author of Will the Real You Please Stand Up, Show Up, Be Authentic, and Prosper in Social Media. Kim focuses on helping entrepreneurs grow their business using social and digital media strategies, and that's how I found her too, online all by myself. (laughs) Forbes named her as one of the top 10 social media power influencers, and she's been featured by Fox News, CBS News, The Huffington Post, Entrepreneur.com, Business Week, and Social Media Examiner. So not only has Kim kind of become the queen of digital marketing, she's also someone who has pivoted her business many, many times over the years. And she started in this arena before it was a big deal, way back in the early 90s. Kim's also a great example of someone who found her passion and followed it too, even with all of the twists and turns along the way. In fact, it's probably a significant reason she's been so successful for several decades. If you're an entrepreneur, you'll learn so much from this episode. Please enjoy. Hi, Kim. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Women in the Middle podcast. Hey, Susie. I am super excited to be here. Thanks for inviting me. It's not every day that I have an online digital marketing queen right here at the ready, getting ready to talk to us about so many things. I really am thrilled to have you. You know, it's funny how I found you online. Somebody told me about you and then I followed you for a bit and I'm like, who's that lady wearing those red glasses? I really remembered the red glasses. And then you offered something that I couldn't resist because I was so stumped myself. And it was a $7 product to help me figure out how to do a Facebook Live. Ah, awesome. Well, I'm glad I got you started down that road. That's awesome. You really did. Like I was so overwhelmed by it. I was a new entrepreneur. And I thought, $7, that's so helpful. And it's exactly what I need. (laughs) That's awesome. You know, those low-cost offers, especially if you don't exactly know, or your person that you're selling that to doesn't really know you, it's one of those things where, well, $7, you know, that's not so much. So I'm willing to invest in that. 
and those are very popular. It's a great way to get people to spend a little bit of money with you. That first dollar is always the first gatekeeper, if you will. You know, you got to get people to start spending a little bit of money with you first. Oh, absolutely. And you're such a great teacher. And that's what I learned from that little experience. And I only watched it once or twice. I figured it out. And it just gave me the confidence to be taught step by step something that I felt a little too embarrassed about not knowing. So that was really well, great. I've, I've always said that, you know, there is no stupid question. You know, I think a lot of us are fearful. You know, it goes back to, you know, when we were still in school and we're, we didn't want to raise our hand, you know, <laughs> uh, but I promise you, if you have a question or there's something you don't know, then somebody else doesn't know it either, you know, so don't let that stop you. There's so many amazing resources out there today to um, solve the problems that we don't know, you know, so just well, a matter of finding out there's information overload a little bit now because there's so much information out there. Who knows though? Yeah. You know, who knows what you want to know? And then tapping into that person, obviously, but so much knowledge today, it's really no need for us to stay stuck. It's true. And even sometimes when I find myself feeling stuck, my kids are always just like, ah, Siri. <laughs> You're right. The answer really is there. But sometimes you want more than just an electronic device telling you how to live your life or how to solve your business problems, right? And you're a very gifted educator. You're a gifted teacher. And what I'm so fascinated by with podcast guests is to hear a little bit about your story of where you came from professionally. Like, where did you start and how did you end up where you are? Because what I know is that it probably wasn't a direct line to being a, an online digital marketing queen. There's probably not even anything online when, when you first started working. So what is your story? Where did you come from, Kim? Well, there is a, there are a lot of squigglies, a lot of mess <laughs> in, the in between, right? But my backstory is that I was on my way to law school, just been accepted to, to law school, um, had been working as a paralegal. My husband and I were fairly new, uh, newlyweds. He was in the military at the time. And um, we decided we were going to have our first child. We got pregnant. The whole, of course, you're going to have a child, you got to get pregnant. <laughs> but um, but uh, anyway, they could come, come the day that he came into this world and they laid him in my arms and I, my world shifted, my priorities shifted. And I know the moms out there are probably saying, oh, yeah, I understand that. Um, so it, it was a place, a decision had to be made. Do I continue down this road, which was a hard decision because I was the first one in my family to get a college education. And you know, the fact that I had all this plan, I was going to go to law school, I was going to become a, an attorney. And since I'd been working at a law firm, I saw how the new attorneys were treated and how, you know, the immense hours that they were working. I'm like, how am I going to do that with a baby? Like, you know, um, so that was one fear factor. And then the other fear factor was like, I'm going to, if I'm going to go to law school, I'm going to have to find somebody to take care of my little one. Like, and that was a greater fear factor for me. Wow. So that, I mean, I just got, I still get chills about that. I'm like, I can't do that. I'm going to, that's not, no longer my dream. My focus is going to be taking care of my little guy. But that created a vacuum. You know, we were young and naive and we're like, oh, we can do it. Like, you know, you can quit work. And, you know, my husband, like I said, was in the military. Well, our, those that protect our great country don't make a lot of money. Uh, so mm -hmm. I was like, okay, well, this isn't going to work. I mean, you're going to have to go you know, back into corporate or 
I'm going to have to figure something else out. So that started me down this road of getting online. And and that was like in um, 1991. That was just when the internet was starting to become commercial. Oh, yeah. I remember I didn't get a mouse at work until 1994. That was, I remember this new job I was starting and I had my own mouse. I just thought that was a big deal. That was right at the beginning. Yeah. So it was very much at the beginning. There was no you know, Google, Yahoo was really the only search engine at the time. There was no YouTube videos to watch into your eyes. <laughs> you know, there was no resources really to teach me what I needed to know. So I go to the bookstore, right? And I buy books on like, you know, coding and, you know, one of, one of my very first uh, purchases, which I didn't have the money for, there's a whole story behind that, was front page, you know, and I started a web design business with a piece of software that cost me $97. Um, and but why did that, you even do that? Why did you go from being an, you know, academically inclined and, and legal yeah. route to this? Well, because I saw such a need for it. I was like, okay, you know, I, I spent hours in um, B2B business to types of the chat rooms in AOL. If you, for those of you who remember AOL when they had business chat rooms, And all these people were talking about they needed to get their businesses online and they needed websites. So I just did what I teach everybody to do now because I, of course, I didn't know what I was doing then, but I just listened and I'm like, okay, everybody's wanting a website. So let me see if I can figure this out. And so that spawned my web design business, which was my first seven figure business. Wow. Um, And I'll I'll never forget in my dining room was turned into my office. And my husband came into the dining room one day and he says, um, do you have any idea how much money you've made this, this year? Cause I didn't, I'm not, I can make money, but I don't, I'm not real good about tracking. That's not my strategy. <laughs> um, and I'm like, no, I, you know, he's like, you've made over a million dollars. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. What? Like it was just so surreal. When I started, I wanted to make $200 pay the car payment. If I could make $200 pay the car payment, that took the edge off. The $200 was kind of like our barrier, you know, you know, we could, we could make it if we didn't have the car payment kind of thing, but we had to have a car, right? Wow. So um, that was my financial goal when I started my, my first business. And it took me a long time to get there. We were really stretched at that, pl- at that point. It took me about five years of hunting and pecking and trying to figure it out to make my first $60. Wow. You know, I had, I had my first business then too, and it didn't go very far, but I had a product with a partner. It was a time capsule kind of kit and uh, we loved it. But back then we started in 94, 95 and you couldn't even like online shopping, online business was so, so much in its infancy. I remember we couldn't even accept credit cards online until we left, I think it was a $5,000 deposit with the bank yes. or something. I don't even, it was just so it was crazy. There and, was no PayPal, nothing. Right. And, and, you know, if you could get a merchant account, that was one, uh, one issue, but then you had to overcome the fear factor of putting your credit card in on, online, you know, right. we were so scared of it when it first started. It's, it's funny how the, the journey has been interesting. <laughs> you know, my, my dad is 96. He was telling the story the other day about 
when he was six and, you know, being in a horse and buggy and going to church, uh, crossing the creek six times, you know, that kind of stuff. And I, I kind of liken it to that, like in the context of how much we've seen evolve techn- technologically over the course of like, say, the last 30 years. Now, obviously, it's not a horse and buggy, but the concepts of, you know, where we started, like in, you know, 90, 1991 versus where we are today, from a business perspective, it's like nine day. There's just oh. no, no comparison, really. Yeah, like even be able, being able to accept a credit card online was a massive hurdle to overcome. Like, yeah. I had a baby back then, too. And, you know, it was just a little, a little wee business in the basement sort of thing. And everything technologically speaking felt huge. Getting a website just felt so massive. Like, how am I ever going to climb this mountain? And then you don't even have the knowledge to ask intelligent questions half the time because you don't know what you don't know. And online marketing was, we were still just thinking about going to shows. We would be going to shows to sell the product in very traditional, you know, make flyers, direct mail, And of course, that kind of stuff is still available. So you started this. You were more successful than you even imagined. Your husband's like, hello. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I tell people frequently that I'm an accidental entrepreneur because I didn't have a vision for where I am now. I I, that was not my goal to build seven, seven bigger businesses over the past 30 years. Like, yeah, no, that's definitely not something I started out thinking I was going to do. It's just been a constant evolution. And a constant pivot. I sometimes pivot, I think, daily. (laughs) But Kim, that's that's really interesting because I talk to so many women and I experience this too. Just so much fear and such a desire to want to know all the things, to want to know all the steps. How's this going to work out? What where's the plan? I need to know every little detail in the plan. And what I know now, and it sounds like what you know and what I've heard from so many podcast guests is that you just don't know. It's impossible to know, but you have to take the first step. Yeah. You know, and I would just like to encourage every, everyone that's listening that f- feels like Susie just described, where you're just not sure. What I have found is that most women have a deep-seated feeling deep in them that they're meant for more, that they have bigger things in them. I would just like to encourage you to lean into that. Don't stress over the step-by-step. Lean into the fact that you have that feeling. You know you have something bigger for you. Our struggle, I think, as women is that we we don't step into our possibles. So going back to what we just talked about is you, you can't know where you're going to end up. It doesn't mean you, you don't have, you know, a, a sort of vision, like I, I, that's what I want to build or that's what I want to do or whatever. But if you don't, that's okay too. You just have to embrace that deep seated feeling that you have, and then you have to start working towards your possibles. And you may get on a road and that road forks somewhere and you have to go in a totally different direction. Hey, that's okay, y'all. It's okay. You know, I've done it many, many times. You just have to hold on to that feeling that you have. And then again, step forward. I know fear is a mighty beast, but you got big things in you and you just got to hold on to that and start moving, stepping. That's so good. So then what happened? You had this successful business. Then what did you decide to do next? 
Well, that's, it's kind of interesting because one thing led to another. All my clients came to me word of mouth. I didn't even have my own website. (laughs) Here I am doing (laughs) websites for other people. I didn't even have my own website. Um, But back then, you know, there wasn't, you know, like now it's almost a commodity. Websites is almost a commodity. You can get a Wix site or, you know, whatever. But then that wasn't true. So customers would come, they would recommend somebody else. And that's the way it uh, happened. But they would ask me what was the next thing. So they would say, okay, I need, I've got a website, where do I host it? So that I ended up with a hosting company, even had a dial-up company back in the day. And then they're like, well, how do I market this? How do I get people, you know, to, uh, to my website? So one thing spawned another. And so I just, you know, continued to evolve based on, you know, what my client base needed. And then I just got to a place where I was just so burnt out. I was working 18 hour days. I would go to bed with my husband and then had to wait till he was asleep. And then I'd sneak back down the stairs so that I could do something else, you know, and um, ended up selling. I had four businesses that I sold all at one time. And then I went back to, I got my master's degree, kept a few of my primary clients, you know, stuff that I could just manage, um, started homeschooling my kids. And, you know, that took me in a slightly different direction, but it gave me some balance, which I had never had before. And, you know, I thought just because I was home and I was there that I was doing the right thing. But, you know, when my, my boys would say, no more phone, mommy, no more phone. That was when, you know, I'm like, okay, I've, I need to step back a little bit. We work towards that thing that, we're tr- that we want, that bigger thing that we know we're capable of. And, and then sometimes you get there and you're like, wow, <laughs> I maybe I need to step back a little bit. Um, now, that doesn't happen to everybody. Some people balance it well. I just didn't. I didn't balance it um, well. I'm a perfectionist. So like, you know, I was in a workaholic too. Uh, so I've learned a lot of lessons over the years. On, At least um, you didn't crash and burn. I mean, yeah. But it sounds like it was getting kind of bad. You realized something had to change. Yes, I did. Definitely. Hmm. Wow. So one of the things you said earlier I wanted to pick up on is knowing when you know you're meant for more, something that's related to that is to know what your passion is. Now, this question seems so obvious, but so many of my listeners and clients, and even it happened to me too, there seems to be lack of clarity a lot of times on what that gift is, on what that passion is. And you've become such Uh, you really have your finger on the pulse of what's happening and what your people want to learn and what we need for our businesses. And you're such a a great teacher in your ability to break things down step by step. Did you know that that was something you were really good at? No, but over the years, I've discovered that that's kind of my zone of genius is taking the complex and making it simple. I just break it down um, into what will people need in order to affect what I'm telling them they can do? And, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, again, I didn't start out with, with knowing that that was what I was going, you know, where, where I would be today. It was more about just the evolution of, of how I, my business has evolved and listening. So I'm really 
tuned in to, you know, paying attention to what people are saying. Like if they're like, well, I don't, I don't understand that. Then, okay, I need to, I need to circle back. I've not explained it good enough, you know? And now I have a kind of a process when I build a course that helps me to kind of follow that structure so that I can make sure that I explain things as as best as I can. Now, I don't always nail it the first time. You know, sometimes I have to circle back if somebody says, well, that was, I didn't explain it very well or whatever. But when it comes to deciding what it is that you're passionate about, there's a combination of things that I think you need to think about if you're decide if you're trying to decide I want to start a business but I don't know what when it comes to things that you're passionate about I've heard some women say well I don't have any skill sets I don't I don't know anything that anybody would pay for no I hear that all the time exactly oh my gosh I'm like okay so lean in and listen to this that's a bunch of bs that's an excuse you do have something I had a mom one time she bore 12 children naturally herself. They're not adopted to 12 <laughs> children. And she came, uh, she was in one of my masterminds one time. Um, and she, I just big crocodile tears running down her face. She's like, I'm just a mom. I, I don't know why somebody would pay me anything. I'm like, girl, you are, she was a minister's wife. She's, you've got 12 children. You're feeding 12, a family of 14 on a budget of $300 a month. I would want to know how you're doing that. I didn't yeah. need to tell me how you're doing that. You know, and I just started listing off all the stuff that, you know, she knows and that is a part of her normal day-to-day life. And, you know, I'm like, that's the thing. We take so much in our lives for granted that we just do it, that we're like, everybody knows that. Why would they pay me for it? But not everybody does know it. You know, you might be really good at organizing drawers. Okay. Right. So somebody else is not good at that. (laughs) And you have to just understand that you do have skills. You do have knowledge that somebody else wants and will pay for it. Each and every one of us does. I mean, you're, you're maybe rolling your eyes like right now, but seriously, I have seen people, I use this example um, all the time because I think it's just a, a really good one. Uh, it's an old example, but uh, Russell Brunson started his first business. If you, you may not know Russell Brunson, but he's a big digital marketer and he was still in college. He started, um, a, he wrote a, a, a set of directions on how to make a potato gun. Okay. <laughs> so something that simple. And, but people were, were wanting to know how to make a potato gun. And so he sold all of these eBooks at the, you know, that was a back in the day, um, like made almost a million dollars selling a potato gun eBook, just directions. So, you know, stuff, each and every one of you knows stuff that somebody else doesn't know and would be willing to pay for. Um, It's just a matter of figuring that out. What is it? Yeah. So that's the first step where people get so stuck. And the other thing I've noticed about midlife women is that we don't, appreciate the stuff we know, and we don't appreciate how rewarding and fulfilling it is to be a mentor. Those two things go hand in hand. We're, women our age are looking for ways to be fulfilled. We don't appreciate all the stuff that we know. And my kids are totally making fun of me because I never learned how to make cookies. And they're like, just look it up on Google. Like, I don't want to look it up on Google. I know that I could learn to make cookies, but 
most people like my kids have a memory of of their auntie helping them make cookies. Like they learned along the way. Nobody never taught me. I didn't have that warm, fuzzy memory. So yeah, if I was really wanting to learn to make cookies, I could figure it out. There are a lot of resources out there, but I know that when my auntie taught my son how to make those chocolate chip cookies, she was on a high. She was having so much fun and teaching and learning. And and so being a mentor at our age is an unbelievably rewarding thing to do. And you can be a mentor without even meeting people, like writing these books, writing the instructions, creating some kind of an expertise that you embrace and are proud of and appreciating that you do have what to give. It's huge. It's it's amazing to me what we don't appreciate as skills. It's constantly surprising. Absolutely. I mean, seriously, I mean, just think about what you do on a day-to-day basis in your home. A simple example. Now, uh, this is a struggle for me. So if you know how to do this, then you need to be teaching me, okay? <laughs> but, um, and you're, you're going to laugh when I say this, but folding the sheets. <laughs> I'm not going to laugh. That's horrible. It's so hard. Folding- Seriously. I mean, think about it. Just what do you do in your normal day-to-day life? Um, You know, do you make, do you have a special diet? Do, you know, do you have recipes that you've developed for that? Do you have a system for getting, um, and this is going to sound gross, but people are looking for this stuff. You know, your dog has an accident on the, um, on the carpet. Do you have a a way that they get it out? Like, you know, most of us these days probably Google it, but the point of it is you could be the one being Googled. <laughs> you could be the solution <laughs> to someone else's problem. So there's so many things each and every day. And you're like, well, those are not things I'm passionate about. It doesn't necessarily, you don't. And I think this is the part that you have to have to embrace. If you want a business, it's not, you don't always start necessarily with, Hey, I'm going to be this big online coach. You just have to get started with the first thing and then you evolve. You just get on the road. That's what I tell my boys all the time. When they first graduated from college, they're like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm like, you don't have to know what you're going to do. You just have to get on the road. And then life presents opportunities for you to you. And that's That's exactly exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah. Inspiration likes to find you working. You know, I remember uh, Brooke Castillo said that once and and I thought that was so beautiful. Yeah. If you're just in your head and just thinking, 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 you're not going to be as inspired or be meeting the people or even processing what's out there and interpreting it as a possibility, as an opportunity yeah. as you are when you get on the road. But I also think the way we grew up, you know, thinking that having one job for 30 years was the way to, to do it, it really has affected what we see as possible. Our, uh, our tolerance for being stuck and not being really jazzed about the content we're learning or about how we're growing. And so many of us experience this pressure to know everything or it's too indulgent or who do you think you are making a change when you don't know that there's a guarantee that it's going to all work out? Yeah. And you know, Um, I deal with that honestly daily. And a lot of people look at me and they're like, well, you're successful. Therefore, you know, you don't have the same struggles that I do. And that is absolutely not true. Um, Any successful person will tell you that it's a fear factor every day. Like, is this going to work today? And if things don't work, you know, I've got, I've learned to not get emotionally attached to the outcome of things. And if it doesn't work, then I look at it and I say, 
why didn't it work? Is there something I can do to make it better? So it will work. Or do I need to release this? And of those three things, you know, I always, almost always spend more time and energy on the first couple, like, you know, the releasing it is a bigger struggle for me because I'm like, okay, I can make this work. I can figure this out somehow. But um, as I've gotten older, I've gotten to a place where I'm a little more like, you know, same with hoarding stuff, like, right. We need to ditch that stuff. It's not serving us. We need to get rid of it. And it's the same when in life or business. And I, and I don't mean that like literally, like if, you know, if you have a relationship that is family, you can't ditch them. Right. But you can ditch You can distance yourself a little bit, hopefully from that. But I think that's the thing that we have to um, be aware of and be okay with is, you know, when you put yourself out there, especially when you're first getting started and something fails, okay, go take a bath, soak, have a <laughs> glass of wine, you know, whine about it for 24 hours. And then you get yourself back up and you get back after it. You, you go back and say, okay, is, can I make this better? Is that the problem? Or is it just not what people want? It's an evolution and you have to be okay with that going in. You have to figure out how it is. And I know it sounds terrible because when we first get started, we just want something to work. And then when it doesn't, it's devastating. But again, it's going to be an evolution and you don't get emotionally attached to everything, but don't stop. I can actually, yeah, I can. That's such good advice. And I can see my own transformation and evolution. I was in the same um, field for 27 years. So um, I started to be a real entrepreneur. That first little business was a great learning experience, but you know, it didn't have longevity. Um, but this all happened since I turned 50. And even when I started the podcast, I didn't know what direction it was going to take. I knew what the first three episodes were going to be. That's it. And what I've learned about myself is that If you look at all the things I've done over the years, there's a thread of consistency. I love asking questions. I love meeting people. I love looking for patterns in speech and in behavior. And all of this stuff was evident from very, very early on. But with the podcast, one of the things I love the best is finding guests using my own network. I mean, I get pitched all the time, and most of the time, it's not a good fit for the podcast. It's very rare that I take somebody's pitch because I don't know, there's something so lovely about using my own network. And it really kind of makes the podcast more of a brand because it's more reflective of who I know and the relationships I've fostered and that sort of thing. It never occurred to me that that would be an area that I really enjoyed about the podcast. That didn't occur to me at all, but it really, really is. I just wouldn't have known. And I'm glad that I kept doing it because it's scary when you don't know. You yeah. really have to pull your big girl panties on. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, thinking about that, even in the context of, you know, who you know, it's fascinating how many people we really do know. We just don't think about it sometimes. You know, normally uh, when I'm, I have a live show, uh, which we're turning into a podcast. So I'm envious of your podcast skills already. Aww, thank <laughs> um, you. But um, the same thing, you have to do outreach, right? You have to connect and you, you know, have to bring people on. And 
Um, I find that the, the people that come on the show that I already have one met either in person or have had interaction with, there's just so much more. Those, I think those interviews are richer than the ones where I don't necessarily know the person very well. It's, it's almost like you have to get to know them a little bit beforehand to feel super comfortable and same for them, you know? So I think it's just a, a combination of uh, understanding that we do know amazing people and we just, you know, how to, and we, we ourselves know amazing things. How do we leverage that? Absolutely. And I think uh, what you're touching on too, I guess, could be called a soft skill versus a hard skill. And the way we were trained and educated, it was all around the hard skills. And the soft skills, though, that's where the gold is when you want to make a pivot, when you really want to develop your personal brand, when you really want to be clear about what you bring to the table, to your coaching or to your business or your product or your services that is truly unique. Your you know, combination of special sauce and your story and your experience and your, your talent and expertise. And I know that um, you've been so good at that and your pivots, honestly, Kim, you're pivoting all the time and you bring such amazing content forward. You always seem to know what is new and what's going on. So I wanted to ask you, is there an app or something new that you know about that we need to know? What is it? So I would actually, you were just talking about, um, you know, personal brands and getting started and all that. And right now there is a shift happening, uh, in social media and there's actually a couple of different, uh, touch points that I wanted to bring out. You know, if you're just getting started and you're like, you know, I don't want to do videos. I don't want to do all this other stuff. There is a new thing coming on the horizon called social audio. And uh, there's an app out there called Clubhouse, which has gone gangbusters. I, Susie, I, I don't know if you've heard of that. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm on there. I'm following okay. you. All right. Good. Um, I have been watching it more than participating, although I am going to get more uh, engaged with uh, social audio. Audio across the board is going to be so powerful going forward because we've got voice. Um, you know, we've got Siri, right? So, you know, people are searching for content using their phones voice activated um, SEO essentially is going to be a big, a big thing, but it's going to be such a, I think it's such a great opportunity for people who are just dipping their toe in, you know, that they can get on these apps. Like Spotify just released something yesterday called green room, which is, I think it was yesterday or maybe the day before, which is a, is a spinoff of um, clubhouse. It looks very similar. We have a uh, version of that on Twitter already uh, Twitter spaces. And then Facebook is getting ready to release Facebook audio. So social audio is, is here. It's not coming. It is here. And all the social platforms are going, is probably going to have a variation of uh, Clubhouse on it. Um, so I think that's something we definitely need uh, to be uh, watching out for. And the nice thing about it is we don't have to have our hair and makeup done, ladies. We can be in our PJs piled up on our bed and we can have conversations. We can showcase our expertise using the, this technology. So I want to, that's, that's one thing I want to highlight. The other thing um, that is super popular right now and that I've been preaching and teaching on for a, a good bit of time is what I call short form or snackable content. I have always used the, the term snackable, which is just short snippets of, of content. And that's one of the reasons like my courses are what I call mini courses, because 
Susie, have you ever purchased a course that cost you like $1,000 or $2,000 and you log in you're like, oh my gosh, I can't, when am I going to find time to do this? Like, right. So I've I've purchased many. (laughs) Right. So my, my uh, focus has always been, how can I help somebody do the one small thing and then they can move to the next thing. So I've been doing many courses for many years, but now in the social space, short form content is super, super popular. So what is short form content? It's things like stories. All all the platforms now, uh, social platforms have stories. Facebook has them, Twitter has them, LinkedIn has them, even Pinterest has stories. So why do they all have them? Because that's where the end user is consuming the most content. So they're, they're already built that into their platform. Same with audio, by the way. That's why audio is coming to all these platforms. And then... You've got uh, Reels, which is on Instagram. Again, those short little snippets of videos, uh, content. Uh, YouTube Shorts is, again, very short. Uh, Vertical content. Like Now, this is something that is fascinating because YouTube has not changed its structure substantially ever. You know, they've been a landscape um, uh, video content uh, search engine for literally years, but they've recently added... Uh, vertical content that they're calling YouTube shorts. So why? Because people are consuming that uh, content um, at like record rates. So that the video piece and the audio piece is powerful. And we all need to, you know, if you're, if you're not somebody that wants to embrace video, okay, then maybe the audio is for you. Um, If video is, I personally feel like that video is a huge opportunity because people see you and can get a feel for you very quickly. Do they like you? You know, if they stick, then they'll start to trust you ultimately and, and can become a buyer. So those are two big things I see in social that, that we should definitely be paying attention to. Oh, wow. That's so good. And you know, I, I have to say when you talk about audio, I get such a warm fuzzy because to me, it just reminds me of sitting around Edison phonograph, which I actually have an Edison phonograph, a working one from the early 1900s. I'm fascinated with sound. And I always, um, I was a radio girl growing up. You know, I'm always listening to radio. And even now I love talk radio. I love listening to conversations and long form interviews. I love it. I do think that it is a little bit more accessible and less intimidating than video for many people. And I've heard this so much with midlife women. And right now, my pandemic hair situation is brutal. I would, yes. I would I really, know, my pandemic nails are just terrible. So I totally understand that. Oh my gosh. And I've noticed that I have shied away from video because I'm just not comfortable with what's going on. Now I do. Thank goodness in Toronto, the hair salons are opening tomorrow. <laughs> so if right. you're uh, listening in, in not real time, that would be um, right now it's the end of June. So I'm really excited about that. But I think audio really is accessible because you just don't have to worry about as much. And I think that, you know, podcasts have been so popular for years. And to your point, um, I'm a big podcast fan. I listen. I love listening to content, consuming content that way. I think the difference and the opportunity that um, social audio brings us is that it gives uh, people an opportunity to have conversations, yes, you know, it's so it's not a one-way, you know, podcast is a one-way road, you know, it's, it's a podcaster and perhaps a guest like we're doing right now where we're sharing content, 
you know, life experiences, uh, tips and tricks, whatever, you know, depending on the style of the podcast. But with social audio, you can share content, uh, but then you can bring people in and you can have a conversation as well. Or you can have a group of people, um, you know, that care about the same things, all talking and sharing value-based um, stuff. And so there's just been a, an amazing um uh, not only collaborations have been formed through this, but I think an amazing connection has happened um, with so many people that have embraced um, social audio. I was listening to a, a clubhouse guest um, the other day, yesterday, in fact, on someone else's clubhouse uh, in someone else's clubhouse room. And, you know, she was like, you know, I have been online for 17 years. I've been helping other people do social media. But she said, I never really built up my own, my own brand. And she said, it has changed my business forever. You know, she talked about all the opportunities she, would, she had gotten simply because she started showing up and having conversations and being visible to people uh, from an, at least from an audio perspective, uh, people started to realize, you know, who she was, get a sense for who she was. You know, she had immense value that she was talking about uh, on Clubhouse and they just connected with her. And now she's gotten so many opportunities. Her business is exploding. Wow, that's amazing. So one yeah. of the things, Kim, when I think about, you've been in this business over 30 years, you said, right? Yes. And one of the things that I see when people are unhappy in their careers, it's typically because they stop growing. They're not challenged. They don't feel fulfilled. They have this sense that there's more out there for them. But when I look at your business, I don't see any of that because you've had so many pivots and changes and growth opportunity. You're constantly learning and then you share what you learn with us, your listeners and your followers and your students so quickly. Like your content is so fresh. Would you say that is why you're happy at work? So I do love what I do. Uh, I love being able to share my knowledge because my knowledge hurdle was great when I started. You know, I shared that it took me five years to, you know, get my first $60. So my previous experience drives a lot of my why now. You know, when I first started my business, my why was I just wanted to make a little extra money. Now it's really about how do I, you know, reach behind me and help others, you know, as quickly as I can. So I have a model that's, you know, um, learn, do, and then teach it as quickly as, as I can. Um, I didn't even know that, but that's yeah. uh, so obviously what you do. <laughs> yeah. So, but I will say this, I definitely feel like I'm not where I'm, I'm meant to be yet. So I feel like there is, I still have that, that gut, like I know there's more for me. What is that more? I'm not quite sure, um, but I'm always chasing it. I don't ever give it, you know, I'm just the, the way I feel based on experience, definitely, uh, is that, you know, I'm on the road and as long as I'm on the road, then opportunities will knock and it's up to me to decide which way to go. It's just a matter of, you know, staying on the road, you know, keep, keep, keeping driving and eventually, you know, where I'm meant to be will uh, and maybe there, maybe I'm always, you know, driving towards it. I, I don't know. Um, maybe it'll be a constant evolution and, and I'll be pivoting maybe for the rest of my life. I don't know, but I'm okay with that because there's amazing things on the other side of fear. Oh, that's so good. That is so good. I love being on the road and that really is it. Oops. Sorry. Sometimes on podcasts, there are weird sounds 
and <laughs> I yeah. just knocked something over. My dog was scraping on the door a little while ago, and I thought, oh boy, I don't know if anybody can hear that or not. I didn't hear it. So I think oh, that's good. good. Yeah, because <laughs> he's a big one. When he scrapes, you can usually hear it. Anyway, I know that you have an offer that you wanted to share. Well, um, I do. One of the things that I um, am passionate about is getting people to spend their first dollar with you. And I know a lot of people that kind of teach this in the opposite direction, meaning, you know, go for something high ticket. But if people don't have a no like and trust factor with you already, getting them to spend a thousand or two thousand dollars with you is going to be very difficult. So I have a course called PDF to Profit, and it basically teaches you how to create your first mini digital offer. Um, you know, like, you know, if it's going to be, uh, you know, it depends on what it is, you know, what your skill set is. Um, but, you know, if you want to teach people how to declutter, well, what does that look like, right? So we would put, the course teaches you how to put an offer together. It's a low cost offer, usually something less than $50. And if that's something that would be interesting to you, we'll definitely share. I think it's the, the link is mini course to profit. And uh, I'm assuming, Susie, you could put, drop that into the show. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. The the link will be in the show notes. Absolutely. Well, I love that because it's really helps people just think about, well, what is it that you know and are passionate about that you can share? And that's such a great way to get started. I just had a little flashback to, I think, the first online offer I became aware of that was really successful. I must have been, you know, doing some research about that sort of thing. And it was an ebook about how to keep squirrels off your patio or off your deck. No, your uh, balcony. How to yeah. keep squirrels off your balcony. Do you remember that one? No, I don't. But, you know, I'm just thinking about this because this is a huge problem um, for my home in Florida. They hang on uh, our screens and they just shred our screens on, what? on our windows. Yeah. So like they'll, they'll yeah, they climb, the, they climb the house, they hang off of the screen, screens on the windows. And um, it's a huge problem. So I'd like to know that. Like, how do we keep them off the house? (laughs) That's so funny. Well, we've got black squirrels here in Toronto. So when I moved up here, I didn't, uh, I'd never seen a black squirrel before. But one of the things that we're always talking about is a huge source of conversation is how to keep the squirrels off the bird feeders. We have this thing called a squungy, which is a brilliant little contraption where you hang these corn cob thingies. And the squirrels have to jump up and it's kind of like on a bungee cord, squirrel, squungy, bungee, and they bounce (laughs) around. They get they get their treat. They're Uh less less focused on what they're um, on the bird, the bird food. Oh, hey, it's um, so funny. I and I love to watch squirrels because they're just entertaining, but I and they're brilliant. Yeah, but I don't, I have to admit, I don't love the fact that they shred our. No, um, that's not nice. (laughs) Yeah. So, and I, you know, I've not noticed them so much on the Lana, which is kind of weird, but hey, you know, the windows. Oh, yeah. You, you, sometimes uh, we have a little window seat in my office where the, my puppies lay and they come all the way up to the second floor and the puppy and the squirrels (laughs) are like staring at each other. It's, It's quite humorous, but but only until you realize that they're hanging on your, your screen and your screen is getting shredded. So oh my okay, it's not so funny. <laughs> right. It's not so funny. And it is a real problem that it people is. are looking to solve, which is really what, what this is about is to figure out how you can help. Kim, thank you so much for joining us thank today. You. It's been lovely getting to know you a little bit differently than I've known you online and in your courses. 
Um, your message to midlife women and to entrepreneurs is such an important one. There's no way that we can know what we don't know. Just have to get started. You just have to get started. That's it. Thank you so much. I'll put the link in the show notes and have a wonderful day. Thanks again. Thank you. Okay, that's it for this episode. Isn't Kim's story and success so interesting? I love how she started out pursuing law and ended up making her first big pivot to stay home with her firstborn. And then she noticed a need in the marketplace in the early days of digital anything, (laughs) and she took that first step. You know, that first step is where so many amazing midlife women get hung up. Even thinking about it brings up so much fear for so many of us. It totally did for me too. I get it. But Kim's story just confirmed again the importance of feeling that fear and doing it anyway. In midlife, you have so much more wisdom to draw from, right? You really are older and wiser, not just older, (laughs) seriously wiser. So a lot of times when you ask yourself what you're really afraid of, It's coming from an outdated belief about what you're really capable of. Remember when Kim talked about hard and soft skills? You have so many soft skills, you don't even know what to do with them. (laughs) Acknowledging that there's more possibility and opportunity for you is half the battle. This is an important shift in belief for so many midlife women. What if you could do that thing? What if doing it when you don't have all the answers is still a great idea? What if failing isn't the end of the world, but only one little step between you and starting and you and growing and doing what you're meant to do? I know it can be hard and even scary, but the other thing I know is that if you don't do anything new, nothing will happen. You can't make change when you're not willing to dip your toe in the water. That's for sure. So lots to think about, my friend, and this is the best time to do so. You are totally worth it. All right, as you know, my focus as a midlife coach is to help you waste less time spinning and feeling stuck about aging, about empty nest, relationships, your career, and even learning about how to finally put yourself first. It's time to get excited about your life again. Remember, being the queen of your brain domain is the best way to be, and I am here to help. This is what you'll learn when you hire me as your coach. Learning the mindfulness concepts are one thing, But when it comes to applying those concepts, that's when you really benefit from coaching. That's why you should really join Finally First. We're waiting for you. It's your one-stop home away from home for coaching, community, and connection. You can finally get that fresh perspective, learning and growing in a community of like-minded women that will help you sail into your next chapter with more confidence, creativity, and happiness. The best really is yet to come. So join us now head over to www.iamfinallyfirst.com. For show notes and links, head over to www.coachwithsusie.com. And if you need a great gift for your friend's 50th birthday, grab a copy of my new book, 50 Ways to Celebrate Life After 50. Check out Amazon or your favorite online bookseller. Let's do this, ladies. It's time for you to put yourself first, one thought at a time. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. (laughs) 